my curls in there. Good morning, Bay Life. How we doing? Two more people put their faith in Jesus this week. Yay, God, for that. Did you guys answer me? How are you doing? It's great. If you're visiting for the first time, I'm Mark. I'm so glad you're here. Came on a good week. They're always good weeks, but this is especially a good week. We're going to talk about the healing that comes from Jesus. Let it be, let it be, Jesus. Amen. Uh, it's great to have Kim Hensley. She's the uh, worship leader at a church in uh, Iowa, but she's from us, and she came back here this week to visit her family. I'm glad she got to sing with us. Isn't it great to hear the choir sing like that? And uh, so... We're going to continue the series we call Jesus Is. We're trying to figure out who Jesus is. That's why we called it that. And, uh, and we're trying to live for him uh, today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with them to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 12. And uh, I also want to remind you that we have the Bonanza coming up. Everybody signed up for the Bonanza next week. It's going to be a, a blast as always. Uh, just a great time for us as a church to get together as a family and enjoy each other's company and eat barbecue. Because you don't need an excuse for that. Uh, barbecue is just that good. So uh, come and hang out. Uh, hopefully you've signed up. If you haven't yet, you can do that at guest services. We'll see you next week. Can I pray and we'll get going? Hey, God, thanks so much for a chance to just open your word now. I pray uh, that we would not be hearers uh, solely of what we hear, but we'd be doers of the things that we see your son doing in this text this week. Get me out of the way, speak in my place, and lead us to a life uh, that is lived for Christ. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. It was a couple Octobers ago uh, that I contracted malaria. Who was here for Mark's malaria? That was fun. Uh, malaria, just so you know, is not something that happens every day in America. Uh, so it took him a while to figure out what was going on uh, with me. Uh, and it took me a while to understand that. But I, I do know this. Uh, <laughs> I didn't want to go to the doctor. Is anybody else like that with me? I just don't like going. I don't want to. I mean, I know I need to every once in a while. But if I can avoid them, I will. Uh, I'm cheap. That's bad. And, and then I just, you know, I just don't want to, you know, I figure it's going to take care of itself. So that's what I did with this, this, this case of malaria. I thought it was just a, a bad flu. Uh, but I should have I known better because it was a flu that happened every 48 hours. Malaria is this disease that basically uh, malaria cells get inside your red blood cells. And then the, over a 48-hour period, they, they grow and grow and grow until they finally burst your red blood cells. That's, that's what they do to you. That's how they... Uh, you know, mess you up. And so it gets worse and worse progressively as you have these 48-hour episodes. So I thought it was just the flu, but it came back every two days, and then I'd get better, right? And so I kept telling myself, I'll just, you know, I'll go, you know, I'll, I'll just, I, that's, that's what I do with the flu. Anybody else do that with the flu? It's just what you do. You just don't, I'll go to bed, and I'll wake up in the morning, and I'll be fine. Well, it got progressively worse and worse until the weekend where I finally, you know, uh, my body had had enough. I, I preached that Sunday morning sitting down. I don't expect you to remember, but I didn't get up and move that day. And then that night, this this last bout that finally, uh, you know, made me do something came. And I was malaria just locks your whole body up. I can't even explain it. It's like it's like a a muscle cramp in every muscle, and you feel like you're going to freeze. Your 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 body's just going to ex- come open because you're so cold. And so I'm just seizing up, and I'm, you know, Kai, am I right? I was just a mess. And, uh, and I'm yelling at my kids to get me blankets and water, and, and uh, I'm praying to God. I'm praying one of those prayers that this might be the end prayers. Anybody ever prayed one of those prayers? You know, Lord, I don't know if this is the end. I'd love it for it not to be. I'm a young guy. There's other things I'd like to do, bucket list, right? But if this is the end, take care of my, you know, my beautiful wife and my kids and provide for them. And God kind of interrupted me in my prayer. I don't know if he ever does that for you. Prayer is supposed to be a conversation. 
Uh, and so in this particular conversation I was having with God, he's like, hey, Mark, uh, go to the hospital. That's how he said it. That's how he talks to me. I don't know how he talks to you. He's like, you dummy. This is not the flu. Go to the hospital. So uh, longer story shorter, I, I got in an ambulance. I rode to the hospital. They pumped six liters of fluid into me. I'd lost that much uh, of, of, of my fluids. And uh, uh, eventually around 1 o'clock in the morning that morning, uh, the nurse that had been saying it for five hours was proven right. I had malaria. And, uh, and it was pretty easy after that. They just, you know, popped some pills in me and let me stay there for four days until I had enough strength to get in the car and drive home. And then I stayed at home for three weeks and uh, slept almost the entire time. It really knocks it out of you. And, uh, and then I came back to work. How's it going here today? Uh, but you know what? Malaria taught me lots of things. Go to the doctor sooner. But it also, I think, parallels nicely with what we're going to talk about today, the fact that the world uh, has what I'll call spiritual malaria. Uh, three chapters into your Bible, we talk about it all the time. Sin comes into existence. God made uh, man, he made woman, he put them together in a garden, and he, he just created some parameters for them to operate with. Uh, but then if you're familiar with the Bible story, uh, the first humans decided not to do things God ways and God's way, and sin came into existence. Uh, sin is, is essentially that, just not doing things God's way. Going, stepping outside of God's plan and design and doing things on our own. We are great at it. Is anybody here a great sinner? Some of you are like, well, I don't know if I want to admit to that. But you all are. Everybody here, uh, just by sheer nature, as, as humans, we're, we're, we're prone to wander, the old hymn says. Okay? And we're good at it, unfortunately. And, and what sin does, though, is, is sin uh, uh, begets death. The Bible is very clear about that. The wages of sin is death. What you get, what you earn for sin is death, destruction. And so all of us uh, throughout life have sinned and reaped the consequences of such sin. And we, we've told ourselves, kind of like spiritual malaria, like my malaria, we've told ourselves, I can handle this. I'll just sleep it off. It'll, it'll, in a day, it'll go away. Everybody will forget. No one will find out, whatever our excuses are. But, but I, I don't need to handle this, uh, I, or, or I can handle this on my own. <laughs> but then how many of us uh, have, have seen sin progressively get worse? And then finally just blow up in your face. I mean, it, it left you a mess. It left everybody in your life a mess. Uh, that, that's what sin does. It leads to destruction. And, and <laughs> it's at those times in my life where I look back and I think, oh, maybe I should go see my spiritual doctor. Maybe it's time. I can't handle this. I'm not going to get better on my own. Maybe it's time for me to see somebody who can heal me. And that's where Jesus comes in. Uh, did you know that Jesus is the best doctor ever? Uh, we're we're going to be in a, a series of stories in the book of Luke where he heals lots of people. Anybody ever read that in the Gospels? He heals this guy, heals this guy, heals this guy. And isn't it great? Let's just kind of cover this right now. Isn't it great that, that God made our bodies and God uh, can fix our bodies? Isn't that cool? Like if you're, if you're not well right now, you can pray and ask God to deliver you uh, from your physical illness, and he has the power to overcome your cellular structure and make things better. Isn't that great? I believe that fully. Uh, we're praying that for lots of people in our church. If, if you're not physically well, you can pray. And Jesus, as he's you know, shown here in the scriptures, is able to physically heal. But he doesn't stop there. This, to me, is the even better news. Good news is that he physically heals. The better news is that he doesn't stop there. 
that he wants to heal us uh, on every level, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. Uh, he, he's the greatest doctor ever because he can not just fix our physical needs or set our physical needs in, in place. He, he can provide all those other needs as well. He, he actually said as much when he got up in a temple, or excuse me, in a synagogue in his hometown of Nazareth in chapter 4 of this book of Luke. And uh, we talked about it a few weeks ago. He said this. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me uh, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the year of our Lord's favor. He, he read that right out of the book of Isaiah, out of a scroll that had been handed to him that day at church. And then he read it and he sat down and he said to everybody, remember what he said? He said, today this is fulfilled. This is happening right now. And what was his, his implication? His implication was, hey, I'm your guy. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I'm here to preach good news to the poor. And I'm here to set captives free and to give sight to the blind and to set the oppressed free. I'm, I'm here to do all those things. I'm here to usher in the year of our Lord's favor. Everybody would have understood the year of our Lord's favor there in that synagogue. They would have been like, oh, Jubilee. He's talking about the year of Jubilee, which throughout the history of Israel, since the, the beginning of the law of Moses, had been this commandment of Israel that every 50 years, uh, all of the slates were wiped clean. Like if you owed a million dollars, guess what? Year of Jubilee, you owe zero. It's this great picture of what Jesus ultimately did on the cross. When, when he died and he took upon us or, or upon himself the sins of all of us, uh, he brought a year of jubilee, grace, something we could never earn, something we could never expect. Uh, he brought it for us and he set us free from sin through his sacrifice, his atoning work on the cross. Now, <clears throat> he, uh, he's still doing that today. He's still setting captives free. He's still bringing sight to the blind. Many of you are here because you now see, because you are now free. Many of you are here uh, because your friends are hoping as they sit next to you in that row that you will see, that you will be set free. That's what this sermon's about this morning. It's about the healing from the best doctor ever, Jesus, and the healing that is total in its nature. It's not just physical. It's relational and emotional and spiritual as well. So two questions I want to ask you before I get going. We start looking in uh, to the stories of these two particular healings we're going to cover this morning. The first question is this. Probably a question you hear when you go to like the actual doctor. Uh, it's usually phrased in some, some form like this. Uh, where does it hurt? Anybody ever got that from a doctor? Hey, where does it hurt? Tell me what's going on. Why are you here today? Well, I got a tummy ache. Oh, so it hurts in your tummy. And so he lays you down on the table there, you know, and pulls out the, you know, the big piece of, uh, you know, paper you wrap sandwiches in. I always think they're going to wrap sandwiches in that paper. And, uh, but, but he lays you down on it, and then he, he, he always checks the melon. Anybody ever, he's always, you know, I always call it, you know, he's like testing melons in the grocery store. He's like, you know. Anyway. <laughs> you, you won't think of that the same from now on. That's good. <laughs> well, why does he do that? Why doesn't he start touching your head and, and looking in your eyeballs? Well, because you told him where it hurts. See, the doctor's going to go where it hurts. He's going to start it. And so, so here's my question to you this morning. Spiritually speaking, where's it hurt? Is your life uh, kind of balled up right now in some emotional pain? Could be because you did something stupid. Could be because someone around you did something stupid. But whatever the case is, you're locked. You're, you're emotionally trapped. 
You know what? Jesus came to preach good news to the poor, set the captives free. He's your doctor. He can heal that wound. Where does it hurt? Are your relationships a mess? Marriage on the brink? Things not going well at work with your boss? Are those, are there, is there disconnect with you and your kids? Hey, guess what? Jesus came to preach good news to the poor, set the captives free. He wants to bring healing in that area of your life. Where does it hurt? Uh, this morning, are you uh, spiritually far from God? Angry at him even, maybe. Maybe you don't know him at all. Maybe this is kind of like your first run around with the Jesus thing, and you're like, well, I'll kick the tire, see how this goes. But, well, here, here's the good news for you. If you're nowhere near Jesus, he's, he's here to be your healer. He's here to preach good news to the poor, set the captives free, give sight to the blind. Spiritually, you can be restored. Because Jesus is the best doctor ever. Where's it hurt? I'm going to get to this at the end. I want you to think not just about yourself, but think about the other people in your life. Who in your life is hurting? Not just where does it hurt for you. Who in your life is hurting? I don't want to ever give anybody the impression uh, as you come to Bay Life Church that, that the, the Jesus thing is only about you. I mean, it starts with you, right? But, but we need to move quickly from the, the, the healing that God can give us to being the extenders of that healing that others so desperately need. We're going to see a story today where, where a guy doesn't get healed except that his friends get, get busy. And we talked about that last week. If you're a disciple, what's the next step in our process? Well, we're disciple makers. It's our mission. We're on mission with Jesus to go and, and catch men, to be fishers of men. That's what we talked about last week. So who in your life's hurting? And how is God going to use you to bring them to their healer? Now, we're going to look at two stories this morning here, starting in Matthew chapter 5, verse 12. Uh, the first one is about a leper. Uh, the next, next one's about a lame guy, but he eventually gets healed, and so we're going to call him the leaper. So you've got the leper and the leaper, all right? I did that just for you. Now, we're going to see both of these guys uh, encounter Jesus, and we're going to learn that Jesus is interested in not just healing them physically, but in healing these other areas of your life. So we're going to answer this question as we go on this morning. Who is Jesus wanting to heal? We're going to find out, first of all, that Jesus wants to heal the unclean. He wants to heal the unclean. Look at it as the story begins. These are going to be familiar stories to many of us, especially if you grew up in church. When I was a little kid, this was the subject of the flannel graphs uh, that I, uh, anybody remember those? Yeah, some of you are like, what? Don't worry about it. We'll just keep going. While Jesus was in one of the cities, uh, there came a man full of what? Leprosy. Now, how much leprosy did he have? Full on, full blown. Not just kind of dab of leprosy, not just a little bit of leprosy. He was engulfed in this disease. Let's talk about leprosy real quick before we move on. I know you're already reading ahead of me because that's what we all do. But uh, let's talk about leprosy. Uh, leprosy back then was a big deal in, this, in the nation of Israel. If you got leprosy... Uh, it was, well, it was the end of life as you knew it. Uh, leprosy is, is called Hansen's disease today, uh, eminently curable. Um, uh, it, you know, if you're not in a third world country, we can, we can deal with Hansen's disease. But they didn't know anything about leprosy back then, didn't have all the drugs and pharmaceuticals that we have. So, so when leprosy came about, uh, they didn't understand it. And so <laughs> because diseases were so prevalent, this was a visual, you could see this disease, you know, its effects. And so as soon as they saw it, they assumed that it was con uh, contagious. Uh, newsflash, it's not. But because they saw this physical infirmity in a person, they figured, well, if we touch that, we're going to catch that. And so we need to get that out. 
Leprosy, just so you know, was kind of this, this big heading over a broad uh, number of symptoms. So like if you had psoriasis, not leprosy, but it's a skin disease, shows up in lesions and discoloration in your skin, guess what? You were a leper. And so they lumped you in with everybody else who was a leper. Now, if you want some uh, extra credit homework, you can go read Leviticus 13 and 14. I know everybody's read Leviticus like over and over again because it's that, e- it's that easy book in the Bible. Uh, but in Leviticus 13 and 14, the Old Testament tells us uh, what the standards are for leopards, uh, lepers in Israel. And if you are a leper, the, the first standard was you're out. Uh, you're no longer allowed to live within the rest of society. Now, they were the original zombies, the walking dead of the day. They were cast outside the city. Um, uh, just imagine yourself. Men, imagine back, if you're older like me, imagine back the day you first got married, maybe the first baby you had. You're in that period of life where everything is just getting going. It's good. You know, you're excited. And then all of a sudden, you got this, this spot that comes up on your arm, and someone sees you at work with a spot on their arm, and they go to the leaders of the city, and they say, hey, Mark's got a spot on his arm. And the, and the leaders of the city come to you, and they say, hey, we heard you got a spot. And they see the spot, and they identify it as leprosy. And guess what? That's your last day in town. You're not the father of that child anymore, at least not a present father. You're not the husband of that wife anymore. You're cast outside the city. And uh, the, the law stated you could not come within 100 feet of someone who was clean. If you were a, a leper, you were unclean, and you couldn't come within 100 feet of someone who is clean. If you came into town, you'd have to yell preceding your arrival, unclean, unclean, so everybody could get outside the 100-foot line. Sometimes they would even have, you know, bells that would hang around their neck and clang as a warning to other people. Uh, socially, you're just completely set outside. So they'd find each other. They'd form colonies. That's why you see uh, 10 lepers coming to Jesus and being healed in another account here. They, they would live together. They were the walking dead of the day. Everybody familiar with leprosy? So this leper comes up, and it says, When he saw Jesus, he fell on his face, and he begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, again, the Bible contracts and shrinks what's really going on. So let's unpack that a little bit. Uh, first of all, the leper is close enough to a big crowd of people that he can fall on his face before Jesus and ask him to clean him. So here's what had to happen. Was he yelling unclean, unclean before he got there? No, he snuck into town. He hid his leprosy. And so at the great unveiling, when he got close enough to Jesus so that he could fall on his face before him, he flips off his hoodie, and everybody sees all the lesions and all the mess that is his leprosy. And what happens in the crowd? Bye-bye. Where's the 100-foot line? I can't believe... Let's call him Bob. I can't believe Bob came into town and didn't say unclean. We're all going to be lepers now. If I could get within 100 foot of that guy, I'd give him a little piece of my mind, right? Everybody scatters except who? Jesus ain't going anywhere. He just stands there. He looks lovingly at this leper. And he listens to him as he begs in faith in desperation for this man he's never met to heal him. If you are willing, you can heal me. How about that for a faith statement right there? Everybody lean in. Let's have our first lean-in moment of the morning. Is everybody leaning in? Here's the deal. Jesus is not afraid 
of your disease. Not afraid of your sin. When everybody else runs the other way because you messed up, when everybody else runs the other way because you're unclean, Jesus isn't going anywhere. He's staying right there. He's ready for whatever's wrecking your life. Let's, let's work on this. That's why I came. Preach good news to the poor. Set the captives free. Sight to the blind. Let's do this. Good to see you in town, Bob. And Bob asks these things of Jesus, and it says that Jesus stretches out his hand. Hang on. Jesus did what? In that culture, you did what? You touched a leper? That's like Cootie's time infinity. You just don't do that. You're going to be diseased like him. I mean, people are on that 100 foot line. They've seen this guy bow before Jesus. They're straining to hear what he's saying to him. And all of a sudden, all they can see from a distance is that Jesus is putting his hand on this guy's head. I mean, he's touching the sores that exist on this man's scalp. And they're like, oh, forever unclean. And he says this. He stretched out his hand, and he touched him, and he said, oh, Bob, I am willing. I am so willing. I'm so glad you had the courage to come and ask. Be clean. And what's it say? That over a period of three months, as he took this, uh, you know, round of pharmaceuticals, is that what it says? No, it says immediately, immediately, the leprosy left Bob. Now, not, again, it's just one sentence, but you've got you to picture it. Does everybody picture the Bible when you're reading it? Slow down and picture this stuff. You're standing there 100 feet away. See Jesus put the hand on, on Bob. Uh, Bob, uh, or Jesus leans in and says, Bob, I'm willing. You're clean. And then Bob starts to physically change before your eyes. All the hair that had fallen out from his leprosy grows back. Uh, sometimes lepers would lose their appendages, their fingers and toes and their nose even would fall off. Those things grow back like a Michael Jackson, you know, thriller video, right? And they're right there and you're watching it before your very eyes. This guy is going through a physical transformation that completely goes against everything that you know. It'd mess you up for days. But Bob... Bob was having a different experience. He's not freaking out in that way. He's like, oh, look at this. You think he's hugging Jesus? It's like, you started, you touched me, I'm hugging you. He's so excited because he knows he can feel his cellular, you know, on the cellular, he can feel himself changing. And he's well. Can't believe it. You know, here's the deal. I faked you out, sorry. Jesus wants to heal the unclean. Who's unclean? Hi, get a mirror, every one of us, right? All of us are unclean. And his mission on earth is to heal the unclean. And I want to talk about uh, that that first part uh, uh, that I was sharing with earlier. He he wants to heal us not just on a physical level but an emotional level. You've got to understand the toll that it's taken on Bob's life to be a leper. What did I do to deserve this? In fact, I I should bring that up. You notice there that he says... Uh, if you are willing, you can, you can cleanse me. You can make me clean. He doesn't say you can heal me. He doesn't say you can rid me of my leprosy. He, he, in fact, you'll see this over and over again. When, when, when Jesus heals someone in the scriptures, a lot of times it says that he cleans them. It's a, it's a very uh, particular phrase. It's, it's chosen 
and it's loaded. Because here's the deal. In that day and age, people usually equated your illness with your sin. Like, remember the time? I don't know if you remember this, but Jesus was hanging out with his friends, and they walked past the blind guy. And his friends asked him, his disciples asked him, hey, who sinned? This guy or his parents that he's blind? Remember that? Now, if you remember that, that, that's just a little glimpse into the mindset of this, you know, ancient culture. They, they believed that everything was karma. If you, if you are sick, if you are handicapped, if you have some kind of illness, it's because either you or someone that you know and is close to you sinned, and now you're being punished for that sin. In a law-governed society, that's, that's a logical inference. If you remember what Jesus said to his friends that day when they were passing the blind guy, he's like, neither of them. You guys settle down with this karma stuff. We're not doing karma. Uh, sin is a nasty thing, and it just rests on people in different ways, but it's not like they did this and deserve this. Not to say that sometimes people don't sin and get what they deserve. Have you ever noticed that every once in a while? Okay. But he's not saying it's like, it's not math. It's not one for one every time. But, but here for Bob the leper, what does he ask? Clean me. Why? Because Bob... Uh, he computes this. He says, I'm a leper. I must have a spiritual problem. And he's lived with the weight of this, not just the fact that he's physically uh, separated from everybody else by his leprosy, but he's, 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 he's wondering if he's to blame. And Jesus says, oh, Bob, I'm going to clean you. I'm not just going to clean up your skin. I'm going to clean up your heart. I'm going to clean up the emotions, the seat, you know, the seat of your emotions. I'm going, to, I'm going to set you on a different path. So instead of shame and guilt and questions, I'm going to give you certainty. I'm going to give you hope. I'm going to give you joy. Anybody use a dose of that today? Huh? You know what brings that? It's not denial. It's not some kind of religious, you know, fantasy world or something like that. I'm telling you, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's experiencing the healing that the best doctor ever can give and understanding that my identity is no longer in who I was in my sin, no longer in who I was in my illness, no longer who I was before Christ. My identity is now wrapped up in Christ. For me, like we sang earlier, for me to live is Christ. And Christ restores my emotions. There is no condemnation, Romans 8 tells us, for those who are in Christ Jesus. He is the healer of our emotions. I've seen it happen over and over again. Uh, I'm the product of it myself. I've seen it happen in other leaders uh, here in our community, uh, pastors and other leaders of, of ministries uh, whose lives, I mean, uh, many of them, be, you know, because they made poor choices, their lives just blew up. Kablooey! Everything's gone. Marriage is over. Family's wrecked. Everything's a mess. And it's in those instances that God plants this seed of hope, that God restores uh, not just uh, them to... Uh, you know, a life with him, but he restores their hope. And they, they go on from those <laughs> blow-ups to be used of God in ways they would have never been used of God if, if that blow-up hadn't occurred. Isn't that the great thing? God never wastes a hurt. If you blow up, God's got great things to do, not just in spite of that blow-up, but because of that blow-up. And he leads people. There's one lady in our, our church, she leads a ministry that serves thousands of men and women every year who are the neediest of the needy the most blown up of the blown up. How did she get to a part in, point in life where she decided to do that? Her life blew up. And now she has a passion for people that she never cared about before because she was there. And God doesn't waste a hurt. 
Jesus wants to heal the unclean, but he also wants to heal the unwanted. This leper guy, he wasn't just unclean and emotionally suffering from that. He was, he was unclean, and he'd been separated from everybody that he loved. Look what it says next. It says, and he charged him. This is Jesus talking to this leper. He says, Bob, listen, go, uh, or don't tell anybody. Jesus did this often with people that are, were healed. There's some speculation as to why he did that. You know, he wanted the timing of his uh, messiahship to be prolonged and different things like that. But he, does, he tells this guy, don't tell everybody. Don't go on Facebook and make a post. But uh, instead, go and show yourself to the priest. Uh, the Levites were the priestly tribe, and they, they would spend a couple weeks a year serving at the temple in Jerusalem, but the rest of the time they'd go back and live in the towns that they were from, and they would provide priestly services in those towns. He said, go to your local priest and show yourself to that, to that priest. Make an offering for your cleansing as Moses commanded so that it can be a proof uh, to that priest and then to them, plurally, to, to, to everybody else who, uh, who might question what's happened here today. He, go, through the, go through the motions, Bob. Make sure you work the system here. There's a system in place in Leviticus 14, and you've got to walk through it. You know what that system was? Here's the deal. If you were someone, by the grace of God, who was fortunate enough to be healed of your leprosy, like let's say you just had a rash, someone mistakenly saw it as leprosy, and that rash went away, and now you're like, I'm not a leper anymore. Can I come home? They'd say, okay, let's make sure this is for real. Eight days you had to wait, according to the book of Leviticus. You had to give all these sacrifices. I don't have time to get into all those, uh, but they're awesome because they parallel what Jesus did on the cross. But you go through all these sacrifices to prove your atonement, to prove that you are clean. And then on the eighth day, if you are still clean after eight days, well, now you're clean. Legit. And you know what happens at the end of the eighth day? Party. Right? Because here's the deal. Every, maybe, maybe the word got out to your wife and to your children that you are no longer ostracized or potentially are no longer ostracized from society. In, in a few days, you might be rejoined with them. And so as soon as the priest signs the final papers that says you are, you are clean, everybody from all those relationships that have been severed by your uncleanness are brought back into your life. I've been away for a few weeks from my family. There's a big hug at the end of that time. All right? Imagine being away for years. Only able to talk to each other from 100 feet. Uh, only, only, you know, uh, working on your relationship at a distance. And then all of a sudden, those kids that you never carried because you were set outside the camp before they even were big enough to... I mean, are you with me? What a, reu- what a reunion. And here's what you need to know about this. In the same way that Jesus restored the relationships of Bob the leper, Jesus can restore your relationships if they're broken right now. How's he going to do it? He's going to start with you. He's going to start with his own work in your life. And as you get closer to Jesus, guess what happens to the potential of your relationships? Those relationships have the potential to head in a direction of health, to be uh, brought back to, to whole. Why? Because you're, you know, working, uh, you know, Oprah's steps and you're really, you know, no. Because you're putting your faith in Jesus. He's changing you, and he'll change, his, he'll change what's going on in your relationships too. Isn't that great? I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've seen that in, in the, the ministry uh, that you know, God's given me for the last 23 years uh, where people who are just wrecked, broken, making a mess of all their relationships with their wives or their husbands or with their kids or whatever. I mean, just because they were a hot mess themselves. They got their lives figured out, and all of a sudden, guess what happens? God's bring, he brings that peace that he brought to them 
to the relationships. There's one guy, uh, he came to me uh, last year, and uh, he was about to lose uh, his, his, his girlfriend of the last three years because, he, well, he just wasn't, uh, it was, he wasn't doing it right. <laughs> uh, she, she was a believer, and, and she was adamant that, you know, uh, we need God to be a bigger part of our relationship, and so uh, basically dropped him off at my doorstep and, uh, and, and said, fix him. Um, which I don't have the power to do. Uh, if, if that's a discouragement to you to come and see me, I'm sorry, but, uh, uh, there, there's nothing special here, but I know someone who can fix things and I'd love to point you to him. Right. So he gets in there and starts talking to me about everything that's wrong with her and their relationship and why she's crazy. And, uh, and, uh, and I'm listening and I'm saying, oh, that's, you know, that's, that's typical. Sounds like, you know, most relationships that I know there's going to be problems, married people, anybody come on. Right. Uh, but I said, you know what? There's one factor that's missing here. I don't hear, I don't hear about Jesus in your life. Oh, I went to church when I was a kid and, you know, I kind of got my feelings hurt there and it was just, you know, and I've kind of been skeptical, you know, so, you know, I, I know about him, but I don't, you know, whatever, let's leave that out of here. I'm like, Oh no, 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 no. That's, I'm, I don't know what you thought coming in here, but that's like the whole point. I don't know anything else besides that. So if you don't know Jesus or you don't care about Jesus, I mean, we can stop right now. Let's go to lunch. This is, we're done. He's like, Oh, tell me. And so we got to talk more. And, and uh, soon after that, my buddy put his faith in Jesus Christ. Not because he wanted to save his relationship, but because legit, he, he, he understood his need, and he went to see his doctor. And Jesus restored his soul. He cleansed him. Uh, shortly after that, they got married. Pretty cool. I got to be the one who officiated that wedding. Uh, we, we did their marriage counseling on the backside of the wedding. Uh, you know, they wanted to get married and be right. And so they did that. And, and so we're still in the middle of their counseling, but I can't tell you, it's, you know, years we're friends now. It's been about a year since all this started happening. And, and, uh, uh, my buddy was sitting in a counseling session with us the other day. And, and he said, the, these words came out of his mouth. He said, you know what? This is what I think Jesus wants us to do. And I was like, ah, right. Because what do I ask people often when they're, you know, in the middle of a mess, where's Jesus in all this? You know what he's doing? He's like, here's Jesus. He's in all of this. And here's where we need to go so that we honor him and have peace between each other. Yeah, Jesus is uh, not just interested in healing us physically. He's not just interested in healing us emotionally. He's interested in healing us relationally and restoring our relationships as he restores us. Now, I'm going to just for the five minutes I got left, let me tell you one more quick story. And we'll only get halfway through this one, but I want you to hear this part. Uh, it says, uh, just so you know, even more of the report of, of his work went out and more and more people came to see him. He would, Jesus, verse 16, he would always uh, take time to get away and be with uh, his father. Um, we're going to talk about you being uh, someone's helper here uh, in the next few minutes. If you're going to be someone who helps someone find Jesus, if you're going to be someone who points them to the doctor, you've got to make sure you take care of you. Jesus did that all the time in his ministry. Get away, breathe, connect with God the Father. Um, I always put it in terms like this. If you're in a cabin, uh, an air, airplane cabin, and you lose pressure, what are you supposed to do first? Fix your mask before you fix anybody else's, right? It's just the general way this is working in disciple-making. So as long as we're clear with that, let's look at this next story, and we'll see that Jesus wants to heal the unable. We're going to hear the story of an unable guy. Uh, on one of those days, as he was teaching, 
bunch of Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Uh, they had come from all around Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. Galilee is in the north, Judea and Jerusalem are in the south of Israel. So basically he's just saying from all over the country, people are starting to come to check out this carpenter from Nazareth. Is he really the Messiah? And uh, so there they were on this day. And it says that uh, on this particular day, the power of the Lord was with him to heal. So he, we're going to see something cool happen. And so uh, uh, behold, some men uh, were, were bringing one, on a bed a man who was paralyzed. And, and they were seeking to, to bring him in to, to lay him before Jesus so that Jesus would heal him. Uh, but it says in verse 9, finding that there was no way to bring him in. Anytime that Jesus was teaching now, he was surrounded like 10, 15 people deep uh, everywhere he went. And, and no one was letting anybody to, you know, come in. I mean, he was in this house. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law were in the front row because they always got the best seats. But then everybody else was just kind of surrounding the house. I mean, it was just this mob. And these guys come with their buddy. We'll call him Larry the Lame Guy. And, and Larry's on this, this cot, and they're trying to get him in so that Jesus can heal him. But there's just no, nobody's giving him any space. So what do they do? They go up on the roof, and they let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst uh, of that room where Jesus was. And Jesus says this to him. He saw there, whose faith? The friend's faith. This is really interesting. He didn't see Larry's faith, although I'm, I'm, I'm betting Larry had some. Okay? Larry doesn't agree to have his friends go through all this, you know, trouble, uh, potentially making problem with the other people, like the owner of the house. Can we all agree that if, you, if someone came to your house and cut a hole in your house, uh, this afternoon, you're going to have some things to ask them about, right? Anybody got some questions? Excuse me. Uh, I heard the saw start. Uh, why are you, you know, ripping through my roof? Are you going to have that question, right? So Larry apparently had faith to give the okay for all this. But, he, but Jesus says because of their faith. Isn't that interesting? When he saw their faith, he said, hey, man, uh, your sins are forgiven. And that's, man, I wish I had more time to cover that, but I don't. But, but let's talk about these, these friends. I always was told there was four of them because there's four corners of a cot. But these are the cot carriers. There could have been more. There could have been less. But these were the guys who cut a hole in somebody's perfectly good roof and lowered their pal through it so Jesus could heal him. Uh, did you guys know that you're cot carriers for somebody? I didn't know I was a cot carrier. You totally are. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, Jesus has assigned you some lame dudes out there who don't have his healing yet. They haven't experienced Jesus in their life, and you're somebody's cock carrier. How does he want you to be as a cock carrier? He wants you to be like these guys. What were they like? Well, these friends, first of all, uh, had passionate faith. Talked about that last week. If you're going to be a disciple maker, you've got to care about uh, your faith enough to share it with somebody else. If Jesus isn't that big a deal to you, you're not going to make him that big a deal to your friends. So you've got to have passionate faith, a desperate faith that says, oh, this is the most important thing in my life. It needs to be the most important thing in your life. These guys, when they got Larry that morning, uh, they came and, and they didn't do this. They didn't come and see the huge crowds. Like, I don't know about you. Did anybody go out to eat last night? Anybody go to Valentine's dinner? I heard at Outback. I have a friend that works at Outback. They had four pages of reservations. It was going to be a three-and-a-half-hour wait at the Outback at 60, something like that. Crazy. I'm like, there is no food in America that I would wait a half an hour for. Right? I don't know about you. I'm just, I'm just not that fussed out about a place that I would sit and wait. I'll go, if you're making me, I'll go and hang out with you and be polite. But just so you know, if you ever ask me to dinner and it's an hour and wait, I'm mad. Just so you know. <laughs> I'm not going to let on, but I'll, and I'll hang out with you and fake like I'm liking it, but I'm mad. Because I'm leaving if it's just me. 
These guys didn't do that. They didn't see the huge crowd and be like, oh, Larry, no possible way. There's no way we're getting in there, Larry. Look at all the people. I mean, what are you, 100th on the list of lame guys? There's no way. We'll come back another day. Maybe he's staying overnight. I don't know. We'll try tomorrow. Do they say that? No. Why? Here, I don't do this all the time. I don't like rewriting scripture. I don't hope I'm not doing that. But here's what I think. I think that some of these guys had experienced healing from Jesus previous to this. You ever thought of it that way? One of them says, listen, man, I was blind yesterday. I was blind. He healed me of my blindness. He can heal you of your lameness, Larry. And we're not taking no for an answer. That is passionate faith. That's what I like to picture because someone who has been given much wants to make sure that others that he loves receive much. And if you are convinced in your faith in Jesus Christ that you've been given much, figure it out. Because it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to your life. You've got to have passionate faith. You've got to have wild ingenuity. You've got to be, you've got to be creative. These guys were creative. You've got to think. They didn't come to the, to the house thinking, we're going to dig a hole in the roof. So they had to set Larry down, run back to the house, get the crowbars and the pickaxes, come back to the house. Excuse me, pardon me, get over to the stairs by the house. Larry in tow, walk up the stairs or the ladder that was there. Get on the roof. Start swinging these tools into a perfectly good roof. I mean, who does that? Which one of these guys is like, we're going through the roof? What did all the other dudes go? We're going through the roof. It's a roof. Someone owns this house. Todd, you've got you've to slow down. He's like, I'm not slowing down. Larry needs to get to see Jesus. So we're going through the roof. Who's with me? Well, I'm with you. Here we go. And off they went. That is some crazy stuff. I mean, picture a clod of dirt hitting Jesus on the head with the first swing of the pickaxe. Everybody looks up at the roof. It's like, is somebody on the roof? There's somebody on the roof. And then someone swings again, and now there's a hole big enough for a head to go through. And Todd sticks his head through. He's still there. And they, they dig with more. They dig with more energy. And it takes them 15, 20 minutes to make a hole big enough for a cot to fit down through. And they're saying, pardon me, excuse me, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Pharisee guy, I'm sorry that hit your hat. And, and they just keep digging until, I mean, that's some effort. And it's creative. Love it. Does everybody understand? Like, I think the, the, the kind of the, the default uh, idea of, of, of reaching someone for Christ is bring them to church, which I'm so glad. Listen, if you're here with someone and they brought you to church, way to go. I'm so glad you're here. We're talking about Jesus. It's a good place for you to hear about him. But everybody understands that this church is not the building. This church is you. And so wherever you go, there the church is. And so you don't have to bring them to the building. You can bring them to your building. And if you're in that building, it's your house, it's your job, it's your school, it's whatever, guess what? Church is there. And you can be just as creative as you want about talking to Jesus, uh, talking about Jesus to those who need his healing. I had a friend of mine, he went golfing uh, with a bunch of buddies, and uh, uh, he, we've been praying for some of his friends who, who aren't necessarily following Jesus right now to find Jesus, follow Jesus. They're friends of mine too. And so uh, he went on this long trip, uh, and they were driving back, you know, from I don't know where they were, Georgia or Alabama, but it was on a Sunday morning that they were driving back. And it was right around the time that uh, church started here. And so he had his iPhone. They were on the highway, which you get good reception on. He says, oh, you guys, hey, listen, Mark, you guys know Mark. We golfed him before. Oh, yeah. He says, hey, Mark's about to start preaching. You want to hear him? And they didn't wait for an answer. He just plugged it in. He just plugged it into the auxiliary on his, on his car, and he just started streaming my sermon that morning. Cranked it. 
because they're on a highway going 75 miles an hour and they can't get out. <laughs> I thought that was brilliant. I mean, it's kind of like, a, you know, a legal kidnapping, right? I mean, you got to do whatever I say. It's my car. We're going to listen to Mark, Mark preach. So this was three or four months ago, and I went and saw the guys. I played golf with them just recently, and, and one of the guys that we've been praying for walks up to me, sticks out his hand, and shake his hand. How's your wife? How's your kid? We're going to do all that stuff. And he shakes out his hands, and he just says, hey, man, I heard you preach. And he, my friend had told me that he'd done this. So I was like, yeah, I heard you heard me preach. You know, the next thing out of his mouth was, you know, some of what you said made sense. Seed drops, seed drops, seed drops. Never made it to my church. I don't expect, ever expect him to come here. But the church made it to him. And my buddy just got creative. Get creative. Wild ingenuity. How about this one? These friends had a who cares attitude. This is huge. It's hard sometimes for us to talk about Jesus, especially when we think it's going to cost us in social collateral, right? Like, like we're, going to, we're going to lose some social footing if we talk about Jesus at my school or if we talk about Jesus at my work or if we talk about Jesus. I mean, how's Thanksgiving going to go if we start talking about Jesus with our family, right? And so what do we get concerned about? Well, what, what's the world think of this instead of what does my friend who needs a Savior really need? I mean, he, I can't care. These guys are digging through somebody's roof. We'll fix it later. But they're doing whatever it takes, and, and they're not listening to the jeers and the complaints. They're just, hey, we're going. Larry needs to see Jesus. That's That's focus. And then finally, they work together. There, there's a team. One of my favorite things uh, to do in ministry is to share my faith with someone and, 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 and to see them by the grace of God. Nothing to do with me, but to see them put their faith in Jesus Christ. It's by far one of my favorite things that I get to do. Uh, if you haven't had that opportunity, man, your Christian faith will never be the same. Once you've shared your faith with someone and seen that person put their faith in Christ, it's just life-changing. I, I guarantee it. And so the times that I get to do that, I mean, they're just blessings. But you know what? Almost never am I the only person in that person's line of coming to faith. Like if I get to share my faith with someone here at church at the end of their, you know, I call it the finish line, and they, they put their faith in Jesus, uh, here's what I tell them to do. I said, listen, you've got to go tell people that you made this decision for Christ. And they'll go back and they'll start telling all their friends that they made the decision for Christ. And you know what happens that next week? My email box fills up because there will be people from the church I mean, Pastor Mark, I can't believe that Gary trusted Christ. I'm freaking out. I've been working with Gary for 15 years, begging him to come to church with me. He came to some of the Christmas stuff. He came to Easter a couple times. I didn't even know he was coming. He probably did it on purpose because he knew I'd be all over him if I knew he was coming to Bay Life. But my wife and I have been praying for his wife and him for 15 years since I met him. And the few times that we've talked about it over lunch, I mean, he always blew me off, but I don't care. Gary's my brother in Christ now. Praise God. Right? And then another email will come the next day, and it'll be for someone I don't even know. And, and it'll be the person that says, hey, listen, I'm, I'm friends with Gary on Facebook. We went to high school together. You don't know me. I live in California. But from the time I met Jesus as a baseball player in high school and Gary was on my team, I was praying for Gary. I tried to get him to come to church with me as a high school, you know, junior and senior. He just blew me off. Uh, but ever since then, since we've been friends all of our lives, I've been praying for Gary to find faith in Jesus Christ. 
I wish I could have done more. We just didn't live near each other. But every time, and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. And then this week I go on Facebook and he's got posted on his Facebook that he is a Christian. And I wrote him and I asked him how it happened. He told me he got to go across the finish line with you. And I just wanted to say, God bless you and, and your church for being the part of, uh, of Gary's life that led him to faith in Jesus. Isn't that great? It's a team. Like think about your relationship with Christ. You are here today because a team of people has been brought together around you to, to see you come to faith and to see you grow in faith. It's a team sport, this Christian thing. And so if you're going to be somebody's nurse, if you're going to bring someone to the doctor and get them ready for their healing, then you've got to be like these guys. If I had more time, I'd tell you more, but I'm out of time. So let me remind you what we talked about. Jesus is the best doctor ever. Best doctor ever. And let me ask you again, where's it hurt? Where's it hurt? There's something going on in your life, personally, emotionally. Jesus can't fix on your own. You probably weren't meant to. It's probably not going to get healed on its own. Go to Jesus. Go to Jesus. He'll heal you emotionally. Relationships messed up. Don't go, don't go to the self-help, sec, self-help section of, of Barnes & Nobles. Don't start there. Start with Jesus. Line your life up with his standards and see what happens in your relationships. Spiritually, you lost. You see what they said? He said, if I had time, I'd preach this part to you. But he says, uh, man, your sins are forgiven. Remember Jesus said that? He said that to the guy, Larry, on the cot. Your sins are forgiven. He didn't say you're, you're able to walk. He says your sins are forgiven. Uh, listen, if you're here this morning and you've never met Jesus, uh, you're, you're lost in sin. It's a disease that's going to wreck you. And it's time to get those things taken care of. And the only one who can take care of it is Jesus. He came to preach good news to the poor, to set the captives free, to help the blind to see. And we're all the benefactors of his grace to us. So may we live this life with our doctor and help those who need him find him. And I pray this right now for all of us. Let's pray. Hey, God, thanks so much for your word. I pray that you would just uh, impress upon us the importance uh, of living life with you so that you can heal us personally and then living life out loud in front of those who need to find you uh, so that they can experience uh, your healing uh, as well. Uh, Lead us to do that, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you go. Have a great week.